Coming to you direct from the heart of New York City all the way to wherever you are, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the VIP Jazzwall Report. Buckle up, brace yourself, because this is going to be one hell of a show. Because defining, and I repeat, defining my next guest is defying me. I'm not usually lost for words, but describing him is a dilemma because his actions and his words are so diversified that he's got me totally mystified. For example, he's an author of over 100 books. He's lent his influential voice to the United Nations, the World Economic Forum, the House of Lords in the United Kingdom, and various large corporations around the world. He's regarded as one of the 50 most influential people in a nation of one billion. That's with a capital B, folks. He's deeply impacted the lives of millions around the world through his transformational and yoga programs that allow for self-discovery and self-empowerment. He's in the Guinness Book of Records for planting 800,000 trees in three days with the help of 200,000 volunteers. He's everything that I'm not. So you see what I mean when I can't, when I say I can't put a finger on this guest because I have, damn it, only 10. But let's just say that he could very possibly be the sage of today's age. It's an honor to welcome for the first time on an American national radio news network, the one and only self-proclaimed yogi and mystic Sadhguru. Welcome to the show, Sadhguru. Namaskaram, good morning to all of you. How are you, sir? Well, well, tell me. Well, I'll tell you. You know what? I'm so nervous, so excited, all at the same time. And you know when was the last time I felt this way? When you met your wife for the first time. How did you know that? No, actually, not for the first time. I, I felt this way when I was a virgin on my wedding night. <laughs> but you know she did me a favor she turned me from a little boy into a little man overnight there you go you got it little man <laughs> <laughs> now the word Sadhguru means uneducated guru why do you define yourself as uneducated because uh, who I am mm. is only by an inner experience I am not scripturally educated mm -hmm. or educated in any particular particular theology or religion or philosophy or ideology. Right. The only thing that I know is I know this piece of life that is myself mm -hmm. from its origin to its ultimate. But the beauty of life is such that if you know this piece of life in its entirety, by inference, you know just about everything in the universe. Because today, modern science also is coming to this. There is something called as a constructional theory that they're coming up with. Right. What they're saying is, whether it is, whether it is uh, you as a human being or an amoeba, whether it is atomic or cosmic, the fundamental design is same. It is only the sophistication and the complexity which increases as you go from one thing to another. But fundamentally, it is the same design. So in that sense, if you know one piece of life in its entirety, you, by inference, know almost everything that's worth knowing. So that makes, so you, that that make, that makes you ultimately educated then, doesn't it? Education usually today means that mm. you read a book or you received a teaching. So both those things did not happen to me. When the world is so fantastic that mm. every leaf every atom, every aspect of life is unique. I didn't find time to read scriptures. I just paid attention to life. Well, talking about paying attention to life, on the 23rd of September, 1982, you went through an inner body experience, right? <laughs> if you want to call it that. <laughs> well, what do you call it? Tell us what happened that day. Because that sort of made you who you are today, hasn't it? Well, what happened that day, at that moment, looked mm. like a fantastic accident. But now I'm able to see what causes that, and my whole life is about engineering that process for every other human being who, who comes to me or who does not come to me. Whichever way, we are trying to bring that dimension into everybody's life. So what is this dimension? See, what we need to understand is, uh, who we are right now, what most people know as themselves, 
is their body and their mind, which includes thought and emotion. Mm. Everything that you value in your life is only in your thought and emotion, which is essentially we know today is just memory that you have gathered over a period of time of experiences, of people, of situations, and various things. Body is an accumulation of the food that we have eaten. This body is made of the food that we have consumed. Mind is an accumulation of the impressions that we have taken in through the five senses. What you accumulate can be yours, can never ever be you. What you accumulate can belong to you, it cannot become you. You may believe so, but it never so. So what happened on this day was, I was fully engaged in my, you know, I was into business and very busy and super successful for the age that I was at that time. And one afternoon between two business meetings, when I had nothing to do, I, just about an hour and a half I had, so I thought I'll write up, there's a small hill in this town where I live. Mm. This hill is known as Chamundi Hill in Mysore city. And uh, the, the tradition of Mysore city, at least at that time, the youth, it was like this. If we want to test our motorcycles, we ride up Chamundi Hill. Right. We, we want to party, we go up Chamundi Hill. We want to, I mean, we, you fall in love, you go up Chamundi Hill. You fall out, you have to go up Chamundi Hill. If you have nothing to do, you will go up Chamundi Hill. That's how it was. So I had nothing much to do, so I rode up Chamundi Hill that afternoon. Hmm. And uh, I, you know, I know this hill very well from my childhood. So I parked my motorcycle and climbed up on Saturna Rock. My eyes were still open. I didn't even close my eyes. Till that moment, I, this was me. What I consider as myself was me. And what is outside was not me, or it was somebody else or something else. I have no issues with that somebody or something, but this is me, that is somebody else. And suddenly I did not know which is me and which is not me. The rock I was sitting upon, the air that I breathe, the atmosphere around me, just everything, what was me had exploded all over the place. I know it doesn't make sense, it's not supposed to. Mm. I thought this madness lasted for 10-15 minutes, but when I came back to my normal senses, four and a half hours had passed, and for the first time in my adult life, tears, me and tears were impossible, mm. but here there were tears to a point my waves, my shirt is all wet, because the entire four and a half hours, tears have been flowing. And above all, time just flipped. I thought it's just 10-15 minutes, but four and a half hours had passed. I've always been peaceful and happy. That's never been an issue for me. Well, mm -hmm. I was young and I was successful. Everything is going the way you want it. So there is uh, peaceful and being peaceful and happy was not even an issue. But here as I sat there, every cell in my body was bursting with a different kind of ecstasy. Like it was almost like the life within me was just overflowing all over the place. When I shook my very super skeptical mind that I always had and tried to ask myself, okay, what's happening to me? The only thing that my mind could say was maybe I'm going off my rocker. The closest people that are around me, my closest friends, when I told them something is happening to me, everything within me is bursting and it's too fantastic. And uh, the only questions that came to me is what did you drink? What did you pop? This is the kind of questions that came to me. Mm -hmm. Because what I'm trying to say is I was going through something for which there was no context, either in my own mind or in anybody around me. I did not know what it is. It is much later that as I looked at this in many ways, this is what is referred to as yoga. The word yoga means union. Mm. That means the boundaries of your individual existence are obliterated and your experience is like simply as large as creation. This is what is referred to as yoga. I know in America, the word yoga evo evokes a completely different image in people's minds. Right. But the word yoga means union. So this is what happened to me. I was practicing yoga since I was 11 years of age, mm -hmm. but I thought I did that only for my physical and mental progress, which definitely it gave me that. But the significant thing is, unasked, 
without ever seeking it. I was a super skeptical person, and I never had any kind of spiritual tradition or instruction. And uh, I just grew up with the 60s, Beatles and blue jeans and European philosophy. Mm. And this is what I grew up on. I never ever imagined that something spiritual could be attached to the simple physical practice that I was doing. So the very perception of who I am completely altered itself over that afternoon. It is like the man who, the smart young man who went up the hill that day never came down again. But has this experience ever repeated itself in your life so far? I'm living it every moment of my life. Hmm. Wow. You say the effort of the guru should be to help a seeker deepen his seeking and not to give him answers. Now, from someone naive like me, isn't that defying the purpose of seeking? Shouldn't a seeker seek his meaning? See, right now, uh, if, I, if I tell you something which is not yet in your experience, right. what are the options that are left to you? You can either believe me or disbelieve me. If you believe me, you have a positive story to tell. If you disbelieve me, you will have a negative story to tell. But believing and disbelieving will not get you any closer to reality than where you are right now. It is just that you will befool yourself that what you do not know, you will assume that you know. That is all that will happen if I tell you what is the ultimate answer for your question. Or in other words, you have not realized the immensity of I do not know. I do not know is a tremendous possibility. Only when you realize I do not know, a genuine longing to know, seeking to know, and the possibility of knowing arises in your life. You ask me something that is not in your experience. I tell you this is it. Today it will satisfy you. Tomorrow another question will bug you from another angle. So the purpose of a guru is to deepen your longing so that you will know the answer experientially, internally, because any question that you ask, whatever you ask, mm -hmm. is essentially about life. You may ask it in a million different ways, but fundamentally you're asking a question about the nature of your own existence or the nature of everything else around you. And the only way the only and only way a human being can experience anything is only within themselves. Right now, light and darkness happens only within you. I'm speaking to you right now. Now, this speech does not happen outside. It happens within you. Well, your ears perceive it, but what happens is happening within you. Mm. So everything that ever happens happens only within you. When everything that happens happens within you, is it better to give you tools which will take you deeper into yourself so that you will know? Or is it better I just tell you what is the answer? If I tell you what's the answer, it will never be the answer because you will only believe it. You will never experience it. So are you telling me that you're going to answer my question with a question? No. If you ask me a question, I'll give you a device. I'll give you a method. Mm. through which you can divine the answer. So ultimately, tools, I do have to... Tools for transformation. So ultimately, I, I do have to find my own answer, but you're going to help me no, find... No, 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 that's not the conclusion. Mm. See, it is like this. You, I'm sure you're sitting on some kind of furniture. There is one little screw there. You try to unscrew this screw with uh, your fingernails or your teeth. You use whatever you have. Mm. You will see, if you try for days, you will lose your nails, maybe you lose your teeth, but the screw will be still intact. But if I give you a simple screwdriver, you can undo it. So my work is to give you the tools. If you come up with a specific question, I give you the tool and tell you how to use it, then you know how to do it. But if I tell you this is what it is, something that you do not experience, mm. It doesn't make any difference. I'm saying it's not transformational in any way. See, right now the problem is people know you come from India, uh, Vipinder, if I can call you that. Yes, sir, you and, can. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so you know there are people, the entire culture, and everywhere else also, people mm. know where God is, 
people know his residence, people know his name, people know, well, in India we know his wife's name, his children's name, his birthday, everything we know. But what do you know about life? What do you know about yourself, the nature of your existence? See, if you want to exist here in the highest possible way, mm. the more you know about this piece of life, the better you will exist. So my work is to give you tools so that you can access deeper dimensions of who you are so that your existence is greatly enhanced. But is your existence enhanced through knowledge or through action? See, right now people are trying to enhance their existence mm. through action. This is like you take a beat-up Ford on the Formula One track mm. and try to race at 350 kilometers per hour, all you'll have is all four wheels flying in four different directions. In trying to do something, people are breaking up because without enhancing yourself, you're trying to enhance your activity or you're trying to enhance yourself through enhanced activity. Now, this is not the way to do it. If you build a Ferrari, racing will be effortless. If you have the appropriate machine, mm -hmm. then performance will naturally happen. If you try to perform without the necessary basis to it, then life will become enormously stressful. You're seeing this in the world today. There are people who are a big success and there are people who may not be such a big success. You will see not so successful people, when they come to terms with their failures, they are quite okay, they live quite a happy life. Mm -hmm. But you will see the successful people are carrying the most stressful faces on the planet, which is a completely wrong message to send to the next generation of people, because the message that you're sending is success is suffering. Success is the sweetest thing in human life, but people are suffering success because they're trying to enhance their activity without enhancing themselves. So what are you saying then? Are you saying success is bad? Because success is essential for the I'm progress. Success is the sweetest thing in one's life. Right. But you look at the successful people's faces on the planet, they are the most stressful. That is because without enhancing the mechanism, you're trying to improve its activity. Hmm. Okay. If you, if you hit 150 miles per hour on your Ford, yeah. you will see half the thing is burnt out. But if you hit 150 miles on your Ferrari, it feels wonderful because the machine is built for that. Instead of building up the machine for a certain level of activity, you're trying to build up the activity, which will invariably burn you up. See, one thing I noticed on your website was you answered questions, everything from A to Z. You had actually that section. And it's amazing what topics you cover, sexuality, divinity, morality, and so much more. You know, where do you get your answers for life's dilemmas from? I mean... Knowledge, experience. Life is not a <laughs> <laughs> Those who do not pay enough attention mm -hmm. to life, for them, life is a dilemma. Life is not a dilemma. Life, life is a great benediction. It's the most wonderful thing that's happening in the universe. That's life. But most of the people have turned their lives into a huge problem. Everything has become a dilemma or a problem mm -hmm. because the necessary attention has not been paid. Their psychological drama, what's happening in their head, is bigger than the universe. This is the biggest problem. <laughs> <laughs> now, the, the words that you mentioned, sexuality, divinity, work, stress, all this is just life. And are you life, I'm asking you? Are you a piece of life or no? Well, I, I would say life is in me. I'm sorry? I would say life is in me. Oh, you're not life? I guess I'm life. Uh, and, and that's what gives <laughs> please, me life. Please, please confirm this to me. Otherwise, am I talking to a, a Fox News robo? No, no, no. I mean, I'm saying there's life in me that gives me life. No, no. Are you life? Well, how do you define life? <laughs> if you're alive, you're life. If you're not, you're not. I'm alive. You're alive. So if you're alive, 
if you paid enough attention to this life, mm -hmm. everything you wish to know about life, you should know, isn't it? But you're reading a book to know about life, that's the biggest problem. Well, I'm reading a book. I'm reading a book that's written by someone else and sharing their experiences. I'm not going to let my son just cross the road blindly and let him find out which way the traffic's coming. I'm going to let him know that he needs to look left and look right, and then when there's no traffic, then to cross the road. That's the, that's the beauty of having books where people's <laughs> knowledge and experience gets passed down. No, no. When you want to cross the road, please don't read a book, believe me. That's not going to work. <laughs> A lot of people have gotten killed by reading texts on their uh, cell phones, right. you know? <laughs> so, to cross a road, for example, because mm -hmm. you're picking this example, what you need is not knowledge. What you need is a sense of hearing, sense of seeing, which is alert and naturally observes everything that's happening. Right. So what you need is attention. What you need is not knowledge to cross the street. You can cross by knowledge also. So somebody told you that every time you cross the street, you must look to your left uh, because traffic will be coming from that side. But if one crazy guy is riding from uh, driving on the wrong side, you'll get killed. But if you have attention, if you're just alert to mm. everything around you, uh, you have better chances of crossing the street than with knowledge. Please don't teach your son that this is the way to cross the street. Just teach him to be alert to everything. Well, he'll be alert to everything if he has a certain level of knowledge as a foundation no, from which no, to no. execute his actions. See, knowledge is useful mm -hmm. to handle material aspects of life. But knowledge is not useful when it comes to the fundamental subjective aspect of who you are because you are life. Everything that you need to know about life is right here. Or another way of looking at it is, this is a book. If you look at yourself, your own body, mm. the very making of who you are, we can say this is a book written by the source of creation itself. The hand of the creator is there in the way this is made. Right. Better to read a book which is written by the creator than to read a book that is written by so many people. I get you, yeah. Now, on the 24th of December 2011, it was Christmas Eve. I was drinking a bottle of tequila, getting high as a kite. There was a worm in it. I was very merry, having a great, great time. You, on the other hand, you were at the Adi Yogi Alayam consecration. And you mixed some cobra venom with your milk. You also said it gave you a little bit of a high. Not a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> now, you know, we both like a cocktail. Yours are a little more out of this world. What, what was no, the... No. Both the cobra and the milk comes from this world. I didn't import it from Mars. <laughs> you know, this is going to be a war of words between you and me. I can see that. But what was the significance of actually doing that? And obviously the moral of the story is don't try this at home. But what was the significance of you doing that? See, today, modern medicine is uh, deeply involved at looking at how venom, either from a snake or scorpion or spiders, can be used as medicine. Mm. I think they have come up with over a million formulations which are possible to be used in various ways. Right. There is actually so some venom in some medication, yes. Uh, this is very recent and a lot more is coming up. Mm. Uh, they think in future venom is going to be used in a huge way. So <laughs> all the snakes are going to become benign because once the pharmaceutical company starts extracting snake venom, <laughs> I can imagine right. all the snakes feeling important. Let me ask you this. <laughs> There are so many gurus out there, but what do you think you do that's so special that's brought you so much recognition and fame all across the world? You, you don't want to know how to get high? Uh, actually, you, you know what? Let's you, reverse the conversation. You, you get high and tequila, next day you get a hangover. I want to tell you how to get high without a hangover. Go for it. <laughs> See, 
whatever you may drink mm. essentially they only whatever the chemical that goes into the system only acts as a stimulant the real intoxication happens because of the nature of the human mechanism or the body itself mm-hmm. there have been very uh, interesting research uh, uh, aspects one uh, israeli scientist came up with this thing saying that millions of cannabis receptors are there in human brain right so why is it like that is it that nature is telling you you must smoke uh, marijuana no what it is is the brain is ready with the receptors because the body or the human mechanism itself is capable of producing this because most people are lost in their own psychological drama mm-hmm. their psychological space is so confused it doesn't happen to them otherwise you will see this is a very common thing you yogis you will see them always high <laughs> i am always blissed out you look at my eyes look i look like i'm always stoned never touch the substance mm-hmm. but it's always on simply because the very system is capable of generating this and this is the reason why millions of people who are with us many of them have been on alcohol drugs smoke this that everything they just drop it just like that i never tell them give up anything they will just drop it by themselves simply the experience of closing your eyes and sitting is way bigger than anything that you ever consumed about the cobra swanam that is done for a special occasion mm-hmm. because when you create this form of an ellipsoid which is a powerful form it accepts only three things it if you put a little bit of gold or silver or cobra's venom these are the only three substances that this form absorbs because i don't have the money for gold or silver i offer the cobra venom <laughs> how's that <laughs> that's, that's, that's good well, i'll stick to the tequila though <laughs> like i said you know what there's so many I, gurus out there i'm telling you i can i can teach you how to go high on life mm. and that's ultimate high tequila is from across the border well wow. <laughs> well like i said you know there were so many gurus out there but what do you think you bring so special i don't know where there are so many gurus i have not seen them mm-hmm. but you're saying so i'll take your word for it as far as i'm concerned i never looked at it like that i am a guru i have to become this or to become that that mm-hmm. never occurred to me it is just that what i see is what is simply very natural to me because of the level of attention i've paid to the life within myself mm. seems as you mentioned it's a, everything is a dilemma you just look at life the way people are handling it childhood of course it's a big problem adolescence another big problem middle age crisis old age terrible Mm-hmm. Tell me which part of your life is great. <laughs> well, that's what I wanted to every ask you. Stage, that that's where I wanted Every stage of life is mm. being treated as a problem because the necessary perception of what life is missing simply because the five fundamental uh, tools of perception right now of seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting and touching is all outwardly focused. It's not turned inward. if you turn it inward mm-hmm. the seat of your experience the basis of your life experiences within you if what is happening within you does not happen the way you want it what to do the world will not happen your way that's okay but at least you as a person must happen just the way you want yourself if you happen just the way you want yourself to be would you be blissful or miserable definitely blissfulness is a choice for yourself i don't know what's your choice for your neighbors but at least for yourself right. the choice is definitely blissfulness or the highest level of pleasantness that one can experience so it's a choice so it is definitely a choice right. because it's all happening from within you and that's funny you say that because you know in, in we're living in the best of times in today's generation we have what our ancestors didn't um but you know a lot of people there's constant whining and moaning uh, they're <laughs> in this so-called pursuit of happiness and i always tell They're them you know like never before yeah like never before and i'm saying well why is it a pursuit it, uh, happiness is a state of mind a state of being am i wrong 
Uh, Obviously. Yeah, wrong in a way, because it's not just of the mind. Damn it. See, every human experience, <laughs> <laughs> to put it very simply, every mm. human experience has a chemical basis to it. Peace is one kind of chemistry, happiness another kind of chemistry, mm. joy is one kind of chemistry, ecstasy another kind, agony, anxiety, fear, stress. Every human experience has a chemical basis to it. Or in other words, what you call as your body is actually a chemical soup. But you know, Now I the mean... Question is on, so the question is only, are you a great soup or a lousy soup? Well, my wife would say I'm lousy, so... I agree. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think look, look. When, you, when you live with women, you better learn to agree. Yes, exactly, exactly. What, what I find is, like, when I get up in the morning, uh, I actually force myself to think happy thoughts, to, to sort of smile, have, have, have a great posture, things like that. That sets my tone for the day. So it is a controlled choice. Uh, it, is a, it is all right. You... You can know a little bit of happiness that way, mm -hmm. with a controlled choice, but it's a very comp constipated state of happiness. It's not a state of abandon. I'm joyful because I don't control anything within myself. It's just a certain state of abandon. There's no need to control anything within yourself as long as there's nothing compulsive within you. Right now, because most human beings have become compulsive in their thought, emotion, and actions, mm -hmm. Always societies are talking about controlling it. If there was nothing compulsive within you, just I want you to look at this seriously because this is something very profound. If there is nothing compulsive within you, nothing within you needs to be controlled. It is only the compulsiveness. Hmm. Your followers have you. And nobody has four. No, 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 right no, no. Your followers have you. <laughs> Who do you have? The whole existence. You see, you inspire your followers. They, they listen to you and, and, and they get meaning from you and things like that. So you obviously do the same, but who do you go to? Or? <laughs> see, inspiration is needed mm -hmm. only if you do not know the direction. If you do, If you are not do not have the necessary conviction about a direction. Suppose you're going up a mountain, every few feet I have to inspire you because you're not clear whether you should go up or not. So that's not my case. <laughs> hmm. I'm never looking for inspiration from anywhere. What I can do will happen, what I cannot do will not happen. It's as simple as that for me. But there's very little that you don't do. I mean, you're doing so much. And even in my introduction, I mean, you're speaking, you're writing books, uh, you're planting trees. I mean, you, you, you've got your hands all over the place. And I thought, you know, you so many things, but at the end of the day, man can only hold two. You're not mentioning that. The what? The golf tournament? Oh, I, I was coming to that. Golf. Oh, I won a golf tournament. <laughs> Sadhguru, don't worry. I was coming to that one. We're coming to that. We're coming to the Ferraris. I'm even going to find out where you get your tailor. I want to get clothes like you. You look very comfortable. Oh, I designed my own clothes. <laughs> there you go. So there's very little that you don't do. I do everything that is necessary for my life. Mm -hmm. isn't, that, isn't that how life should be? Um, necessary is a very relative word, isn't it? Some people are satisfied with less. Some people are satisfied with more. Some people are never satisfied. See, if it is about, see, this is, a, this is something, mm. uh, I don't know in <laughs> two minutes' time if I can get this across to you properly, but let me try. Okay. See, people are trying to make something out of themselves by what they gather. This is a hopeless way. So then this problem of what you mentioned just now, some people, some people are satisfied with less, some people want more, some people want uh, everything. This is only if you are trying to make something out of what you gather. Right. That is never the case with me. I only gather what is needed for me to be functional. Because the number of functions that you, variety of functions that you perform, 
you gather those things which is necessary for that particular activity. Question of gathering something to enhance myself doesn't arise for me because anything that I gather is less than me, for sure. And this is how it should be for every human being. This is what I'm, this is the possibility that I'm creating in everybody's life. Who you are is beyond all that you gather. What you gather is only relevant in terms of their usefulness, in terms of action, but never useful to enhance yourself because it cannot enhance yourself. It can only be an accumulation which will entangle you, but it will not enhance you. Isn't that the greatest excuse for failure? What? What has it got to do with failure? If someone doesn't succeed and they say, well, you know what, this is it, this is all I am. No, 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 that's not what I said. That's why I said in two, in two minutes, if mm. I say it could be misunderstood. What I'm saying is what you gather. Right. The things that you gather, including your body and the content of your mind, mm. and all the substances, a home, a relationship, wealth, money, whatever else you gather, these are tools for you to function better. Right. These are not tools to enhance yourself. But right now the problem with most human beings is they have become somebody in the world only because of the things that they have gathered. I'm saying when I say I'm an educated guru, it means I have no content in my head of any kind. But if I pay attention to something, mm -hmm. I have sharpened my attention in such a way, anything that I see, I can see through it. But I have no content in my mind. If I... If, I've, if I'm not in activity, I don't have a single thought on my head. Four days, five days, if I withdraw, I don't have a single thought in my head, not with control, simply because there is no content. Okay. Just attention. Just attention and awareness, which is capable of penetrating through anything. And this is what human intelligence means, that there is an intelligence which is capable of grasping Yes, there is a memory bank if you want something to be remembered, mm. but that is not going to enhance your life. That is also only to facilitate certain aspects of your life, certain activities of your life. Well, talking about facilitating your life and uh, harmonizing your intelligence and things like that, you run a program called Inner Engineering. But before we get to that, I want to do a quick quick Q&A because now you've blown the cover about your golf handicap so I'm going to ask you a few questions and I just want quick answers, okay? Mm -hmm. What's your golf handicap? I don't have a proper official handicap. I knew it, I can't I get an answer ever. Player, mm -hmm. But I shoot somewhere between 6 to 12. That's good. I'm not able to maintain a particular number because uh, I don't golf in one particular club, mm. wherever I travel, wherever the possibility, and it's not regular. Some days I play four days straight, the next two months I won't play. So this is my golf. So Well, next time you're in town, let's you and I go for a golf game. You better be good. I'm better than that. Um, what's, <laughs> <laughs> what's your favorite exotic car? Now, you've been on some, and you, you, you like Ferraris. This is the first time I drove a Ferrari because mm -hmm. the Ferrari invited me to drive right. in Italy for mm -hmm. their cavalcade. How was that? Till then, I had never driven a Ferrari. It's a fantastic machine, mm. but uh, I don't get to drive them. This is the first time in my life I drove a Ferrari, but we were hitting over 300 kilometers or nearly 340, 350 kilometers on highways with traffic on, and uh, the Ferrari facilitated this with the law there that there's no trouble mm. and uh, over 104 cars they drove wow. but this is the very first time in my life I drove a Ferrari because it's it's not something that uh, I go after but I like speed it's not a question of what machine mm. <laughs> I like speed because the life is brief great now if you had a chance to relive your life what would you do differently Oh, I don't spend time thinking about such things. I'm just living it right now. Okay, if you're living it I, right I now. In my life, I've done the best that I could do with my intelligence. Mm -hmm. So if, if I come with the same brain, I would do about the same, probably. No, but along the way, you, you haven't had any mistakes or regrets? Uh, I'm not a rear-view-looking driver. Mm. I'm driving fast enough that what's coming behind me doesn't matter to me. 
Okay. So talking about going ahead so far along the highway of your life, what do you consider your greatest achievement to date? And please give me an answer on this one. With all the things that I do, I'm still alive. That itself is the greatest achievement <laughs> because with all the wild adventures that I've done. After I'm marriage, after marriage, that's my greatest. After marriage, that's my greatest achievement as well. I'm still alive. <laughs> now you travel a lot, right? You travel uh, a lot. So what yes. are the three things? Very you... local, only local travel. I've never left the planet. Okay. What are the three things you always keep with you when you travel? My brains mm -hmm. always in place. I always have a watch. And these days, of course, a cell phone. What's your greatest indulgence? My greatest indulgence is probably these days it's golf. <laughs> <laughs> because I, whenever I take off, I have to take off for four hours, which is quite something. People can't even believe that I can take that much time off with the number of activities that we have. Right. So that's one thing. And whenever I can drive, I keep the right leg down. That's another indulgence. Oh, you love speed. Because life is brief. So you want to get there faster. You must understand, it gets briefer. The more joyful you get, the more brief it becomes. <laughs> it's only miserable people <laughs> who have a long life. That's so well said. That's so well said. First time I agree with you. Um, inner engineering. You run the spiritual center in Tennessee. Tell us about it. what is it for and who is it for? Uh, right now we are only catering to human beings. Oh, that's a pity. <laughs> because this So my mother-in-law can't apply then. My mother-in-law can't apply. We even can <laughs> transform her. <laughs> Because uh, inner engineering means, mm. see, we have engineered the world, outside world, to our comfort and convenience in so many ways. Right. Because of this engineering, we have comforts and conveniences that no generation could ever imagine. We have engineered the world all right. This will bring comfort and convenience, but this will not bring well-being. If well-being has to happen, you have to transform or engineer your interiority. Essentially, engineering means having something the way you want it. Is it not important? You become the way you want yourself to be before everything in the world becomes the way you want it. So shouldn't it if be... If you become the way you want yourself to be, you will become the most beautiful human being. So shouldn't it be re-engineering? No, it's engineering. You come in as a beetle and then leave as a Ferrari? So... Uh, Something, <laughs> it is like uh, a caterpillar becomes a butterfly. It's engineering. It's not re-engineering. So you're pulling out what's it's, already there. It's, it's inner engineering because there are ingredients. Mm. The sa all of us are made of the same ingredients. How we engineered ourselves to be is what is so different from one person to another. But fundamentally, all of us are made with the same ingredients. How come each person is different? Because each person has engineered themselves, but large part of their engineering is unconscious. Now, what I am teaching them is how every aspect of your life can be consciously engineered. The very way you think, feel, understand, perceive, and experience life can be engineered the way you want it. And when you make yourself the way you want it, one thing will happen to you, you are never the issue in your life. If you are not the issue, hmm. then suddenly you find your ability to deal with the issues in the world is like a play. Effortlessly you can do it. People who do the inner engineering program, programs, many of them have taken up variety of professions, hobbies, music, various things in their life because suddenly they find there is so much time and energy to do things because you don't have to deal with this, this one fundamental fool that you are constantly dealing with, dealing with which is yourself. So who is it for? Before your mother-in-law comes, you should be there. <laughs> you must be ahead of her in your well-being. <laughs> I'll give it a shot. You know that? I'll, I'll, I'll do that.
But you say on, on you know, I've read a bit about the inner engineering and the retreat. You're aligning body, your mind, your emotions, your energies in complete harmony. Um, and some people who've been there, they love it. But the problem is when they leave, they are back into the world of complexity, the confusion, the whole running around. So it's almost like, I guess, a mind and body vacation for two, three days, and then they come out. Uh, they seem to forget no, no. everything. <laughs> no, not at all a vacation. Mm. Actually, there's uh, more work there than you may do in your office. <laughs> what do you do anyway? Except you, you work only one hour a week, as far as I know. My producer just agreed with you. <laughs> <laughs> so this is not a vacation for your body-mind now. Mm. It's lots of work, but an internal work. See, this is about aligning the system. Aligning the system means right now you drive a car which has four wheels. These four wheels, if they're properly aligned in one direction, the car rolls effortlessly without friction. Mm. Essentially, it's about making yourself friction-free within yourself. It is this friction which you label as stress, anxiety, anger, whatever else. But it's essentially that you have become a frictious mechanism of life. Mm -hmm. If this friction is removed with proper alignment, your ability to be active in the world is greatly enhanced. World is not complex. It's your inability to handle it which is making you making it look complex, that's all. World is not complex in my perception. Why is yoga so important in your world? Because to See, me, it's just a bunch of stretching exercises, women in leotards, and, and that's about it. So what is it that you do so differently that's part of this whole transformational thing that's going on? See, unfortunately... Uh, Largely, I wouldn't say entirely, mm -hmm. largely in the Western part of the world, the word yoga evokes uh, a completely wrong image when people, they think some distortions that you do with your body or contortions or you become a pretzel of some kind is yoga. No. Yoga has very little to do with physical postures. The word yoga means union. Union means that the boundaries of your physical existence that you have drawn mm. are just a certain practical boundary, but it's not a real boundary. If you want to understand this, right now as you sit here, I'm sure wherever you sit, you're breathing. If you just stop this and say what is outside should not go in and what is inside should not go out, this is my boundary, you know what will happen. So constantly there is transaction with everything. Mm. Today, modern physics is going about saying every subatomic particle in your body is in constant tra transaction with the entire cosmos, but it is not in your experience. If this has to come into your experience, all friction within you should be taken off. Or in other words, if this life mechanism that, that you are, if this mechanism of life comes to absolute ease and friction-free function, suddenly your ability to perceive, perceive life, experience life, is so tremendously enhanced. This is yoga. For this, attending to it in a certain way. There is no one kind of yoga for everybody. Each person needs to be attended to in a certain way. So whether it's the body or the mind or the energies or the emotion, which needs to be attended to how, this is what makes the difference. And... Uh, in engineering as a process, only now there is some kind of campaign going on about it. Otherwise, for all these years, mm -hmm. not a single advertisement, no any kind of publicity. For first 21 years, as a rule, I never appeared in the media. Only by word of mouth, millions of people have done this process around the world. This is because if you do the program, you will make sure your friends and family, those who are your dear to you, and those who are a bother, that's why I'm mentioning this because so that your mother-in-law is not left out. Those who are a bother, you want to bring both of them, your friends and enemies you want to bring because you know this will solve all the problems. Because the problem is not of the external situation. The problem is that we are unable to handle something. Right. Well, Sadhguru, we've come to the end of the show, and it's a wrap. Did you have a good time? Thank you very much. 
I make sure I have a good time wherever I am, whatever I'm doing. <laughs> well, I'm very grateful to you for giving in to my persistence in trying to bring you on the show. You know, thank you for everything that you do. Thank you, and uh, uh, I wish to, uh, you know, wish all your uh, audience, or what do you call them? Audience is good. Audience. Fans. And I would, I would like to tell them one thing, that is, see, you might have done many things with your life, many experiences, various things, but I want every human being to know if you develop the ability to turn inward and touch the deepest core of what, who you are, you will be amazed that you can access the whole cosmos through this, and the experience of that is incomparable. No matter what you have known in your wildest dreams, you wouldn't have thought that something like this is possible in an individual human being. This is what has kept the science of yoga for over 15,000 years without any force without any uh, kind of uh, one organization or leadership driving it, this has lived on simply because of its efficacy. Different people have touched this dimension different ways. For one person, their backache went away. For another person, some other disease got cured. For somebody else, it's peace, happiness, relationship, whatever. But the ultimate possibility of what it is is to know yourself, to take this human being, mm to its fullest possibility, to its fullest possibility. This is what yoga is about. This is what inner engineering means. It's my wish and my blessing that every human being should know this. Thank you very much. Thank you, Sadhguru. Ladies and gentlemen, that was a profound Sadhguru. A special shout-out of thanks to Vinod Sitharaman, the wonderful Sonalika Ahuja, and Beyond Media for making this show happen. And of course, I'd be nothing without my dream team, William Sanchez and Rick Buser. Your comments and your follow are so very welcome on my Twitter account at Vip Jaswal and my Facebook page, The Vip Jaswal Report. I wish you and your loved ones Godspeed on your journey of navigating life. And until next Sunday, have a productive and a very happy week ahead.